the danger is when you when you underprepare, you never know what you're going to say. And exactly. That's <laughs> sometimes that's really good because it's surprising what what God brings right. out. And sure. then sometimes it's like, can I get that back? I I don't know that I want that living on the internet forever. Welcome into the harvest, friends. My name is Andrew Stroud. I'm the project lead here, and I'm joined today, as always, by my friend. Well, maybe not as always. We've been doing some interview shows, but <laughs> I'm joined today by not Abigail Wilson. <laughs> yeah, she's our editor in chief over at the End of the Harvest website. You should definitely check that out if you haven't been there recently. We've got great articles, resources, all of these podcast episodes. Uh, you can find that into the harvest at intotheharvest.org. Abby, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're hanging in there. Almost to spring break, so I'm trying to like mentally prepare myself. Spring break. How long do you guys get for spring break with the kids? Just a week. Yeah. Just a week. Yeah. Just one week. Yeah. <laughs> one glorious week of me being cruise director for my children. <laughs> and that's already coming up. That's amazing. I know. I feel like maybe Texas does ours earlier than most states. Um, that's because it gets hotter here. So yeah. um, if you want spring, then you better do it in March. I guess that makes sense. We actually do. I think ours starts either mid-March or maybe the last week of March. So I guess it is coming up. I just, uh, you're just more in touch with the kids' schedule than I am, I think. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Yeah. Well, we've got a great show today. We're going to be answering the listener question, which is actually going to build off of what we were talking about. John Snyder and I were talking about on our last show, finding and following the will of God. And then we're going to be talking about the blessings and costs of, of bearing one another's burdens. Uh, and then we'll finish up by talking about the situation in Ukraine during our faith and culture segment. But let's dive in with our listener question, Abigail. And this comes from Travis Todd. He messaged us on Facebook after our last episode on finding the will of God. And his question was essentially, do we sometimes overcomplicate the will of God? So let me ask you that uh, because we spent, John and I spent 45 minutes talking about it. And I think we could have spent like another 45 minutes. So do we overcomplicate it? What do you think? Well, I think you guys did a great job. Um, and I think you did a great job of like really being on that line of really practical, good advice. Um, and also just grounding yourself in who Christ is as our Lord, as our savior, so that we can make good decisions, right? And can figure out what the will of God is for our lives. Um, I think his specific question regarded like, you know, we don't see the disciples right. um, really praying and fasting. You know, they just like went up and, and got to it like right away. Um, and I, I, I'm guessing he's referring to the disciples following Jesus, right? I'm, that's what I'm it guessing sounded like. what, what Travis is going for there. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mm -hmm. think when it comes to Jesus, if Jesus says something to you, then yeah, he's absolutely right. You should get up and go. <laughs> 
Um, I, when I think of the, uh, the picture of the church in Acts, and as we kind of start to move into that post Jesus returning to heaven timeframe, um, maybe there's a little bit more prayer and fasting happening. And, and I think that's okay because we are now trying to really tune into the Holy spirit and listen to the Holy spirit and what he has to say. And that's kind of the equivalent of our Jesus walking by and be like, Hey dudes, you should follow me. And so I, I guess I agree with Travis. Like, I think we, um, we do maybe overcome complicated at times, but mm-hmm. like you guys said on your episode, which if you guys have not listened to it, you really should go and check that conversation out. Um, I think already having a really solid foundation of the word of God and of prayer and maybe even fasting in your life, then that will obviously help in making those decisions. So maybe you won't have to stop and like take a, you know, a month detour of, of like sitting on your bed listening. So anyway, what do you think? Well, I was thinking Travis's question, he was he specifically referenced the disciples and how they just got up and, yeah. and followed Jesus. When Jesus said, come follow me, they did it. Um, and, and then he mentioned that there wasn't much prayer and fasting. It didn't seem like in the gospels, but you know, I was thinking how Jesus himself said that um, they weren't going to fast while he was with them. And, and I think that that that's a great point. You know, like if, if you have a direct, if you have, if you have Jesus, God in the flesh right there with you, giving you clear directives, then they're really, that is the will of God. You've, you found it because Jesus is speaking to you. Um, I think the challenge for us is now that, that Jesus is not physically with us in the same room talking to us, how do we discern the, the will of God? And, and some of that is, is to stay close to him. I actually wrote an article I do uh, every Monday. I send out a blog called Disciple Notes, and this last Monday, um, I actually talked about you know four different principles of finding the will of God, and one of them is to stay close to God. To every morning, spend time in the Scriptures and prayer, so that it's easier for you to discern the will of God as you go day by day. Um, but Another one of those four principles was when God gave us a mind, he gave us a great deal of leading. Yeah. And so I do think sometimes we can over-spiritualize things because we're waiting for God to make it crystal clear exactly what he wants us to do. And I I don't think that life works that way. I don't think God um, expects us to interact with him that way. Um, Many times he's already given us what we need to discern his will. And the ball is in our court to make those choices and to take those, those action steps. So the short answer, I guess, Travis, um, is yes, sometimes we do over-spiritualize things. Um, and I think that's part of maturing in our faith is learning how to, to move out um, in faith when you don't have all the answers and when to wait and pray and, and ask God for greater clarity. <laughs> well, um, if folks want to dive deeper into that, I, I would encourage them. There'll be a link in the uh, show notes, either on YouTube or if you're listening on Apple Podcast to the Disciple Notes blog, you can subscribe to that. Um, or if you don't want to subscribe, you can just go and check out that one article. Um, but that'll make me sad if you don't subscribe. So subscribe and check out the... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, What's the, stopping you? What's wrong with you people? Come on. 
I do try to keep them very short. They are one minute reads every week on finding and uh, uh, living out a life of faith. So hopefully folks can check that out. So is it connected the, um, the one minute articles and then your like five things on Friday, are those the same, the same people get both of those? Yeah. So if you subscribe to the disciple notes, I send out a, a short essay every Monday on specifically on faith <laughs> and following Jesus. And then on Friday, I send a second email which highlights five pieces of content that I have found insightful or interesting. Sometimes that's faith related. Sometimes it's not directly related to faith. It's just something that I found interesting. But I actually think that that Friday email might give people a little bit uh, more insight into my way, what's going on in my head, which um, could be a bad thing, but um, (laughs) you kind of get both with the uh, Monday and Friday emails. Yeah, no, I love the Friday emails um, because of that. Like you have a you have a weird and crazy brain, my friend. Um, but I'm I'm here for it. It's very interesting. Um, I always enjoy what you sent, and I'm always interested to see how crazy yeah. it's gonna be, well, guys. It's good stuff. Yeah, if people subscribe, they'll they'll get both of those. Awesome. Well, let's, let's move on to our main topic, Abigail, and today we want to talk about the costs and the blessings of living in Christian community, practicing the one another's, and particularly learning how to bear one another's burdens. And you and I talked briefly this weekend about having this as our main topic, um, and you initially suggested it so give us a little insight into why this topic is meaningful to you, why you think it's important for our listeners. Yeah, this is super timely, um, which I think is the case a lot of the time, you guys. If you want to know how Andrew and I come up with article content and the the content for this podcast, just know it's coming from our daily lives. So you were really invited into our two ministries um, by listening in. Um, This definitely is something that I'm seeing firsthand in our house church right now. Um, We've just been dealing with a lot, um, both within the personal lives of our church members, but also um, just some of the people that we're trying to reach. We've just been having a lot of heartbreak and disappointment and um, in the people out in the harvest places. And I have just gotten to see our church really come alongside one another in a really special way. Um, I feel like in the last few weeks and, um, and then thinking back on, you know, our summer where we lost um, Brad's father-in-law and or not his father-in-law, my father-in-law um, and just how our church came beside us during that. And, and then in reading your article on fasting, um, I, I was really touched by how your church really came together as a body and fasted, um, for just movement and things that you couldn't control. So I thought this would be a great topic for us to get into as far as what does this mean? Because maybe in our current larger church sort of mentality here in the United States, we've lost a little bit of what it means to carry each other's burdens, um, not just our immediate family or our very best friend, but the burdens of the church. So we thought we would just kind of dig into that a little bit today. Um, is that a biblical thing? And then what are just the blessings and maybe the, the struggles of doing that? 
Yes, definitely. In John 13, a very famous uh, passage where Jesus is the, the last supper and he gives his disciples a new commandment. And the new commandment is that they love one another. He goes on to say that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so from the very earliest days of the church, this idea of of bearing the costs and the burdens, but then also experiencing the joy and the blessings of, of this community life that we're called to as the church, it was actually the defining aspect. It was the thing that, that caused early believers to stand out as followers of Jesus. It was how the world would know that, uh, that they were his disciples by having this kind of, of personal concern and care for one another. And we've talked about this before on the show, Abigail, that, that the number one descriptor of church in the scriptures is family. And it's, it's so common that it's, it's actually easy. It's kind of hiding in plain sight. Um, so we, we can sometimes just overlook it. We think of God as our father, but we don't necessarily think about what that says about us being brought into a family and brothers and sisters in the faith. Um, and if you think about healthy families, you know, this isn't going to be true for everybody. Some of us grew up in very broken, dysfunctional families, but, but, but probably you could make an, an argument that, that the, the most powerful social um, unit in the world is a family. Because you, and I think it's because you do have that intensive time with one another and you know, you're willing to do things for your family that you just would not do for anyone else in society. And as Christians, we've been brought into the family of God. And so there should be this elevated commitment and care for one another where we're, where we're aware of what's going on in each other's lives. And we're trying to be there, support and, and bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, like you said, we're, we're coming at this from experience. Um, this is a topic that's relevant to us because of uh, things that we've seen in the past, but also things that are going on in the present. Yeah, and I, um, I want to hit on something you said just then when you were talking about family. Um, you said, these are the people we've spent time with. Um, you know, these are the people we spent the most time with, so we're the most comfortable with. And I think that's one of the key things um, that we have to invest in our yeah. smaller church bodies with one hmm. another is um, investing the time so that when these times of, you know, hardship or burdens that we have to bear come about, it's not um, a bunch of strangers carrying our burdens. Um yeah. I really think it takes some investment on our part um, before we even get to that point of, mm -hmm. of getting to bear each other's burdens. It almost requires, um, it's kind of an honor, right? To bear someone's burden. Like you don't just have a, a complete stranger come along and, and you're just like share right. you know, your, <laughs> at least I don't, I'm going to need some collateral. Like <laughs> we've built up some trust. Um, before you just start bearing your soul with somebody, right? So right. Um, I really think this this plays into what a healthy church looks like from the beginning. I think almost the bearing of the burden part is the fruit of what we've right. all been investing in over time um, of being of bringing honesty and humility and 
time um, to our brothers and sisters um, throughout the week, not just a one one day a week, um, and not just talking about those like four spiritual things and answering the questions, but really sharing each other's lives, like you said. So I don't even know if that fits in the like the the pro or the con. (laughs) Some people might be like, that's a real pro. I can't wait to share with everybody. And then there's a whole lot of introverts (laughs) out there that are like, that sounds terrible. No, it's it, these are great points because I do think that it it is the prerequisite. We we all had those conversations where someone well we we've, we've seen it from both sides. So yeah. someone will ask, "How are you doing?" And maybe you're dying on the inside. But if it's you know if it's a if yeah. it's a nice casual um, social introduction mm-hmm. where someone's just, "Hey, how's it going?" All of us will give. Oh, things are going good. You know, we'll give the the, the surface. We're not going to let people into mm-hmm. what's really going on. Um, and we've probably all had the experience where we were asking that as a polite uh, intro with someone, and then they just kind of, a stranger perhaps, and then they just kind of opened up. Uh, I actually had this happen yesterday. I went down to, in, in oh, California, okay. yeah, in San Diego, the water here is terrible. Like if you drink it from the tap, it's it's got so much chlorine in it. Um, so, you know, we we go down, they have these these machines where you can fill up a five gallon bottle, uh, like the Culligan bottles. So I went down and uh, this this older gentleman was smoking a cigarette, which is, you know, kind of unusual in, in California. But I grew yeah. up in Kentucky. And so it, it took me back to my childhood. So I struck up a conversation yeah. with him about, hey, you know, what, what cigarette are you smoking? So I was like, that smells so familiar. And it was it was Marlboro. Um, <laughs> anywho, I was only going to have this, this short conversation while my five gallons of water is dispensing, but it quickly led into him really opening up and sharing, um, Mm -hmm. how expensive cigarettes are and how it's been cold back in Kentucky. Um, at any rate, it was, it was one of those awkward conversations where at the end of it, I was saying, well, you know, have a great day. And he just kept talking about the weather and uh yeah yeah yeah. so i think yes there needs to be that you need to establish that depth of relationship first which like you said Mm -hmm. only happens by spending time and i i do think that that for me it starts out as a cost because i've always got things that i've goals and projects that i want to do so so to to make time (laughs) for people is often a a challenge for me it's a cost Mm -hmm. now it's one that that quickly becomes a blessing because when you do spend time with like-minded fellow believers, um, you get that benefit, I think in real time. Mm. Um, but I do think that initial step for me anyways, it is a choice and it's a, it's a commitment. There is some cost involved in it because you're, you're, you're setting aside that time to spend with others. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true for everybody. I mean, our time is maybe one of our top two, you know, currencies that we all have and are probably trying to protect. Mm -hmm. Um, So I agree. I mean, I think it requires um, time, but it also, the, the other cost there is, is just the willingness to be open with other people. Mm. Um, And I think maybe that's the harder one for me. Like, I am a hundred percent going to fall into the, 
maybe not like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. Cause I think I have a pretty terrible poker face. So most people <laughs> know what's going on with me, but I do have a certain facade of yeah. like who I want people to like think that I am. I want to like have it together for the most part. And mm-hmm. so I feel like my church family um, are probably the first to like let everyone know that I do not have it all together so there's you know an, a, a fair number of people out there that can tell you just how not together I, ha- I am and that's a little bit of a you know a cost <laughs> but once again the the benefit is so so worth it because um having those people just praying for me keeping me accountable um checking in on me um is is so so valuable to my walk with christ um, I've probably grown exponentially since being in such a close knit um, bunch of believers who are willing to ask hard questions. So um, I think it's a hundred percent worth it, but there's going to be a cost there, right. Of having to be a uh, real about ourselves. Yeah. yeah. When you let people see what's, what's under the surface. I mean, we all know that, um, everything is not as it should be. There, there's stuff in the closet, you know, behind, behind the doors, the mess is there. It's just, most people don't see it because we kind of keep the, the, uh, living spaces tidied up the living spaces of our lives tidied up. So, yeah. um, so let's talk a little bit maybe about the, the costs of, we've talked a little bit about it already in terms of just initially letting people in, but then once you're in, so you've got that close-knit family of believers, what are the ongoing costs, um, Abby? And then maybe we can finish by talking about some of the, the blessings that we've experienced. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the really obvious cost is that we're going to be carrying the burdens of hmm. others. Um, you know, in the, in the past couple of weeks, it is, has been honestly a little bit odd because if someone or even family members having conversations with family members they're like how are you doing and I'm like um I'm doing okay I am doing okay but I don't feel okay because I really am carrying some pretty heavy burdens for some other people in our church but my personal family doesn't want to hear about (laughs) they were asking about me so um I can feel a little bit weird in the sense that I think the body of Christ has the the real joy of being able to carry the grief, the disappointment, the, the suffering of the, the rest of the body of Christ. And in that we get to appreciate the joys, which we'll get to, but it can be um, a, a task of intercession that we maybe didn't know we were going to have, um, which is just, you know, praying for one another, um, fasting for one another in a way that, um, maybe we didn't see coming because I don't really see a lot of churches doing that um, for Mm -hmm. one another. I mean, if it's a larger church, you would just be doing it all the time, right? Because there would be (laughs) so much going on there. But in a smaller community, um, we really have that that joy of being able to truly um, take steps in the spiritual realm for one another. Yeah, that's an, it's a really interesting, I, I don't know that that would have sprung to mind, but I've definitely experienced it where maybe things are going okay for you personally, but because of, it, it reminds me of the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, where it describes us as a body. And we've all experienced that, that if, you, if you're if you working with tools and, and 
the hammer, the, the, the hammer strikes your, your thumb, then your whole body is suffering. And that's, that's what Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, that um, if part of your body is doing well, the whole body rejoices. And if part is suffering, then the whole body suffers. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good insight into part of what it means to, to bear the, the burden. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what about you? Like, do you, are there things specifically that come to mind as far as, you know, what should we be doing here? Like, uh, as we're bearing each other's burdens, I mean, we've talked about prayer and fasting, mm -hmm. I guess there's some, some, we could do some practical things too, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> like we could take a donation. I mean, we've definitely done that before as well. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like in, in your church? Uh, yeah, we've kind of, we've, we've run the gamut. And I think Titus, this is the passage that comes to mind now in Titus, throughout the book of Titus, very short, uh, three chapters, but but actually only 42 verses, Paul's letter um, to Titus. And he's, he, but his instructions to Titus have to do with how to help the believers on the island of Crete live this life of faith. And he, he has a couple of things themes that show up over and over in those short 42 verses. But one of them is, is what most Bibles translate as sound doctrine. Um, and when I studied Titus, what, what I learned was that sound doctrine is, it can actually be translated uh, teaching, a practical teaching that leads to a healthy life. Um, so the word in the Greek is actually hygienia, which is where we get the word hygiene. Uh, and so it has to do with, with good health. The, the word sound has to do with health, really. It's not just um, it's not just accurate theological doctrines. It has to do with um, teaching that that leads to to health. And then uh, the word doctrine itself is, is just teaching. So healthy teaching is what he's talking about. And and believers need that healthy teaching so that they can be zealous for good deeds. And that's the, that's the other thing that comes up over and over in Titus is that, is that we as believers, we, we need teaching that brings health to our lives so that we can be ready to engage and be zealous to do good deeds. And in one part in particular, Paul says that, that our people need to be ready to meet pressing needs. And I, I really like that, that uh, phrase. So in terms of bearing burdens, um, it has to do with, well, what are the pressing needs? Mm -hmm. what, what, what are the pressing needs that exist within our family of faith? And sometimes those are financial. And so, like you said, uh, sometimes what's needed is for us just to contribute financially to a member of the body. Sometimes uh, we moved my mom out of state um, last weekend and several believers came over you know that was basically our moving crew was was yeah my church family and they were literally bearing burdens because that was the pressing need <laughs> that was going on in my life at that time yeah. uh, but it, it can also be um emotional psychological there there can be things that are going on in someone's life where money's not the solution physical labor is not the solution what people really need is that that ear that shoulder that mm. comfort um, so I think it's hard. It's not just one thing. It's, it's being in tune yeah. with your fellow believers enough to know what is the pressing need and then being zealous yeah. to, to meet that pressing need. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of all ties together, doesn't it? I mean, if we, if we aren't doing that first part of investing in one another in the good days, um, then we're not going to necessarily understand or know the nuance of what the situation needs. Um, but I, as you were talking, I was even thinking like somebody said, you know, the only thing really good that Job's friends did was to sit in silence. And then after that, things got real bad. And I love that. I don't don't know. I think, (laughs) yeah. And I, I think that's super great too. I think if we don't have trust in the body, then we're like, oh no, they're going to bring a whole bunch of unsolicited advice right now. And that's not what I need. Um, but I think, you know, if we are in tune with one, one another, or if we're really loving one another, well, then we know that maybe that's not always what is, is needed in this moment. Maybe it's just sitting together in lament or in, you know, in just stillness. So, um, I think it is a very nuanced thing and we could probably talk all day about ways that we can serve the body, but it's, it's more about what we're putting in, what we're investing in, um, and at the front, um, so that when it comes time for the hardships, for the difficulty that we're able to, to stand up under that burden as a body of Christ. Um, and I mean, I think we've been all feeling that for, for, you know, since 2020, as far as the crumbling of everyone's lives. Um, I think a lot of people left their churches and no one called Mm -hmm. and no one looked back. Um, And then there were those of us who got even closer. So I think it's a very relevant thing that um, maybe a lot of us are looking at and seeing what can we do to, to be a little better at this. Well, what would you say, what should we leave folks with today on this topic as we, as we wrap up this, this main, maybe we can try to draw together some of what we've, we've discussed so far. Yeah. Um, I do think the, um, looking around at our church family and seeing how we're investing, um, on the normal everyday days, um, in one another and, and really, uh, we probably can't oversell that or over um, uh, show that, model that in in our communities, um, and and it maybe not even just modeling it, but explaining why we we do what we do, why we ask the hard questions, um, mm-hmm. why we spend so much time together, all these things. Maybe we need to be talking about it more. Like the reason we're doing this is because um, of X, Y, Z, you know, to come because the body is going to be doing all this. So I don't know if it just, we need to be talking about it more upfront, but I definitely think that in time and, uh, personal investment in one another, that's not surfacey and not just sitting on a, on a pew and then leaving in 45 minutes. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I've shifted over the years from using phrases like, um, going to church um or you know asking questions like what time does church start uh Mm. to me it's much more relevant now to to ask are you part of a church um or what chart what church are you part of Mm. and so i i think for for me wrapping up it's it's to know who those those people are who those relationships are that the lord has brought into into your life that you're committed to that you're going to be investing the time there's no shortcut to these relationships that we're talking about so yes if you like you said if you just show up for an hour a week 
you're probably not even going to be aware of what's going on, what those pressing needs are in the lives of the other people that are in that room for that limited amount of time. So, you know, put in the time to actually get to know the, the members of your church. And if, if you're not in a church that even values or facilitates that, find a church. Uh, I would say find a true church, uh, which is a family of believers that are trying to follow Jesus together. And then ask those questions and be willing to step up and, um, and meet those pressing needs. Or like we said, allow others to, to meet those pressing needs in your life, um, which is harder for some of us than others. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, Abby, we're going to shift gears into our faith and culture segment, and we're going to talk about something that a lot of people are talking about right now. Uh, pretty much if you go on any social media platform or, or turn on the news, then you know, most of us are caught up in the situation, the, the war that's taking place over in Ukraine uh, with the invasion by Russian forces. And, and we wanted to try to approach this from, from the standpoint of faith and, and specifically how, how should we be thinking and responding to the situation in Ukraine? You're in Texas I'm in California, literally on the other side of the world from where this is happening. But how should we be thinking about it? How should we be responding to the situation in Ukraine? Yes. <laughs> I am definitely one of those people who has um, pretty much tuned in to like the daily and the, um, the Wall Street Journal's the daily podcast as well, the journal, mm. like every day, all about it. I'm all, mm. I'm all in. Um, and so this, this question has kind of been needling in the back of my mind because it's kind of taking a lot of my brain space, um, to be honest with you. And, uh, is that something that's really, should it be as of right now mm. in the sense mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it is affecting us with our gas prices and, um, with what our government is choosing to do to help the Ukrainians. But as far as like you and me and our day-to-day -day right. life, um, it's not really affecting us. Um, and so should I be so invested mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in this crisis? Um, and so I, I've been pondering it um, because, and I would, I would like to still be really invested. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that as my answer that I, yes, it's okay for me to be so into it and so worried about these people. Um, and that I keep having this like flashback. This is super random to um, the movie. Um, is it, it's a wonderful life. It just left me for two seconds. Okay. So, and it's a wonderful life. If you haven't watched it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, have you seen it? Are you tracking oh, with me? Me? Yes. Uh, yes. That okay. is a, we watch it at least twice every year during the Christmas stretch. Okay. So George Bailey setting it up. <laughs> yes. it, it is like, it's giving you sort of his life story. Um, it's World War II time period. And he is unable to go to mm. war because he has an ear thing. And it says, and so George was in charge of like all the things going on at home. And, mm. and it said, and they, 
you know, he prayed and cried on V day and on VE day, you know, and so it kind of, it had, I could just hear like the movie playing in my head of like, that that's <laughs> what we're, do- we're doing. And um, I'm going to go ahead and say, we live in different time and that now I feel a lot more connected to the global world than maybe my, even my national world. Hmm. I mean, at all of us, you know, we're connected to people all over who are of different nationalities and, you know, you know, we, our world news is very, feels very present because of right. our, you know, 24 hour news service and all that jazz. And right. so in a lot of ways, I, I think I probably, I, I don't know what it was like to live in those times, but, um, but to have that feeling of it's pretty present and there's mm-hmm. people really suffering, right. um, in a very surprising way. And so I should be praying for them and, yeah. um, seeing how I can support them financially right. Right. and, um, and so I think it's okay, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've got so many conflicted feelings on this. So maybe we should just start there, Abby, and say, you know, I, I think I posed it as how should we be thinking and responding? Maybe we should just shift that and say, how are we <laughs> wrestling yeah. with this right now? <laughs> because I'm just going to say that I want to continue to listen to the daily every day and be like, how are they doing? Yeah. They get that other, right. you know. Right, like right, right. Like a nuclear power plant, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. There's so much in my head right now. So, so <laughs> one is, uh, so one is just an observation, which could get me in trouble. Okay. Um, and that is, you know, there's been a civil war going on in Yemen, uh, Yemen for years now with yes. tens yes. of thousands, I don't know, perhaps hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but a lot of casualties, a lot of deaths. Uh, and so, part of me is struck by the things that that capture our attention and the things that don't uh, capture our attention, particularly with international events. Um, so it, it, I'm fascinated just mm. as much as possible as a, as a disinterested bystander at, <laughs> at how much the, the public conscious, and I think this is globally, has been, has been captured by the Russian Ukraine war. Um, and so I don't really, I, I've got nothing to, no conclusions to draw from that, except just to observe that, that things capture our attention and I think they capture our emotions. Um, and they are terrible things. You know, there, there are terrible things happening right now in Ukraine. We know that because we see the images and, and you know, we hear the news. Um, but it is interesting that things are happening all the time around the world that perhaps don't capture our attention or our emotions. Um, so that's one thing. And then the, the, the other two things that I would say is in terms of taking action, I've been challenged by this. I've spent a lot of time, I guess, just trying to keep track of what's going on and trying to understand why is it happening, what's happening. Um, but I think a first step, which sounds so obvious, is to pray. You know, am I praying for those affected by this situation? Am I praying for the decision makers, uh, regardless of their their um, good intentions? You know, the, the, that the Lord would be at work. Um, I think that's that's sort of like first base. If 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 I haven't responded in that way, then it's sort of almost duplicitous to to think beyond that like well what what else do i need to do well if i'm not praying that's just a (laughs) 
yeah. an A1 starting point for our, our response as believers to the situation. And the last thing I'll say, and then just let you respond to all this before we wrap up, there's a, I think it was a quote from a guy named Bob Goff. Some, some of our listeners will have heard of him. He's, he's a fairly well-known um, author. Pretty sure he's a person of faith, although he doesn't come at it very overtly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think. But he, he, he did have the comment of, uh, that God is more impressed when you cross the street and talk to your neighbor than if you cross the ocean to talk to a stranger. Um, and this is not to say that we shouldn't be concerned about things that are happening on the other side of the world, but it's just to try to bring it back to where do we already live? What's going on in our neighborhood? What's going on in our communities? What's going on um, in our city that, that we live in? Where are the needs? And are we captured by those? Are we trying to meet those? So it probably sounds like I'm, I'm saying we shouldn't be concerned about Ukraine. That's not, that's not at all what I'm saying. I just, uh, as we wrestle with how do we make sense and, and uh, respond to these things, those are some of the thoughts that are, that are going through my mind. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the argument of, well, why don't we pay as much attention to the war, wars you know, elsewhere mm-hmm. um, is always that's frustrating for me, Andrew, because right. yes, that's true, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they're clearly, uh, they're, uh, sensationalizing, uh, right. all of it. It's all entertainment to a certain extent, which is awful to think mm-hmm. about. Um, I, I will say yes. Number one, if you aren't praying, then what are we even doing here? Um, but also that we don't want it to get in the way of what God has called us to do. And I I think I even brought this up to you when we were talking about this question before our episode of, you know, I was in a prayer meeting and it was supposed to be for a local um, sort of part of our city. And it turned into like a prayer time Mm -hmm. for Ukraine. And part of me was like, um, but these people still really need prayer right here. (laughs) Um, And I think that's kind of what you're saying in regards to, you know, Yemen or, you know, there's going to be prayer needs needs and really huge catastrophe all the time in this right. world. And only God can hold all that. Um, yes. And so t- to lose track of what God has called us to do uh, is not something we want to do ever. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's okay, you know, to add in my, my podcasts, unless you guys rebuke me, um, but, and, and, and pray for Ukraine um, on my drive to pick up my kids from school but I can't lose track of the people groups and the people that God has specifically called our family to in the midst of this. So um, I think that's kind of the two-handed response. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. And I guess the last thing I would say is, listen, if, if the Lord, if the Lord does put it on your heart, or maybe it's just something you want to do, if you want to contribute to some sort of relief effort, there are there are quite a few of those taking place. And so if you want to, if you want to do more than pray, um, then of course, you know, take advantage of that. Um, I know I was in a conversation with a friend recently who was talking about trying to find out if there was, was even a way to foster orphans from the war, which in my mind, that's a huge, huge step. Um, mm. But if that's something, it, it just in talking with him, it seemed like that was something that, uh, 
that was a genuine, I guess, conviction that he had. So I, I don't want to say that people should not be taking actions beyond prayer um, and that, that we shouldn't be concerned with Ukraine. Uh, I just do think that there's there's a corner of the harvest that each of us is inhabiting right now. And let's, mm. let's make sure we're praying for those needs that go beyond our local area. And let, let's make sure that we're trying our best to meet the needs that are in the local area. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay, Abby. Well, I think that does it for our time today. Uh, I'm glad we're back together on the show. Um, yes. We're going to do this every other show. So we'll have another interview for our next episode, but I always enjoy sitting down and, and talking with you. So this was good. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you in a few weeks and we'll have a, a cool interview for you next week. So we'll see you then. Thank you.